the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy what we've put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, So anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear. But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure if you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best stuff here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. <laughs> So you've had a really interesting story um, getting to where you're at now. I mean, being in wrestling for a decade, getting to this point in AEW, I mean, kind of starting at the beginning, uh, you know, training out in the Bay Area. Like you said, you used to train, you trained with Booker T for a little bit too, right? And Ezekiel Jackson. So I did a few shows for ROW and I did some shows down in LA with uh, and Gangrel. What was that grind like for you of like just trying to get booked on shows and trying to be seen and trying to get in the right place at the right time? Because, I mean, I can imagine and know for myself what that struggle can be like in general. But like, what was that like for you? It was hard. I mean, just I I would do my day job and then it would go to training and it was just hard. Just, you know, driving five, six hours, maybe getting paid 20 bucks, maybe not getting paid, going to help out, set up rings and not knowing if you're going to get on. And I, I probably got more no's than yes. My grandfather always told me if it's something you love, just stick with it. And obviously it, it paid off, even though some amount of years later it, it paid off because I've had so many people tell me to stop doing it. And, you know, your, your day job is good. You're making good money where you're at, but what was your day job? So I was working at Facebook and Instagram. Oh, what were you doing there? I was running four buildings out there. So I, my, my day would actually start like at between 4 and 5 a.m. Just making sure these buildings were running properly. What do you mean? Like making sure the buildings are running properly. What does that like entail? So you have like a marketing department in one building, like maybe like on the first floor. And then you have uh, engineering like on the third floor. So it's kind of whatever tickets they put in or whatever they need. I would have to make sure my crew set it up. Having a job like that, grinding away at wrestling, you've just listed off having three kids, one of them being 15. He's bigger than me. <laughs> really? He's three, size 16 shoe, still has a baby voice. And the doctor's like, yeah, he's probably going to be anywhere from 6'10 to 7'1. He's just what off the charts. And my younger son is off the charts, too, for a three-year-old. you got to bring him in to be your... Imagine you having a heater. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Does he have any interest in wrestling Does, or like any other sports that kind of talk to him? Right now, he's trying out for a varsity basketball. 
So he got pulled aside by the varsity coach. was like, hey, you need to come here Monday. So he's excited about that. He likes to surf. He's a water baby. My younger son, he wants to do everything. He, he wanted to wrestle like at seven this morning. <laughs> I think that's going to be my wrestler right there. How was that having um, having a 15 year old well, that you have now, which you would have been much younger while you're going through all this journey and you being young yourself and to stick that course? Because I could imagine that's got to be pretty difficult when like life is staring you in the face and you've got jobs, you've got bills, you've got a baby, but you are still able to make time for everything. How the hell did you pull that off? I had great help. Family is the number one thing. Great support. Oh, that's awesome. None of this would be possible. Their mom is a trooper. He's a foundation. So keeps it all together. That like tight family, like that just makes such a difference to be able to like back each other up, support each other. And now here we are with like the payoff. And before we we get to that payoff, you know, start off, you know, talking about you working with, with Booker T, but you had trained with Ezekiel Jackson. And then was it through there that Cody Rhodes got eyes on you? So I actually started off training at APW, which is all pro wrestling in here in the Bay area. And Cody did a show at the cow palace. And so that's where I first met Cody. And then I ran into Cody again at a couple more Bay area shows. And he got pretty tight with the, um, the owner and promoter of the company out of nowhere. I get a, a text from QT Marshall. And I, I, I like, I looked at my phone like this, read it, let it sit for two hours because I thought somebody like messing with me. Like is like I just got laid off from work and I thought somebody was messing with me. And I responded back and that was it. It's so crazy how things like that happen and like not to be like all hippy dippy about it, but like I'm such a firm believer that like when shit happens, like for you to be laid off and feel like, oh my God, I might not be working, panic setting in. And then to have a text like that come through, like that is like that divine intervention shit. I got laid off in March and I didn't go to APW until July. And my daughter was born in May. So it's just like, man, well, what am I going to do? But I got to do whatever to put food on the table and fast food chains wouldn't even hire me. Like he wouldn't even call me back. So I was <laughs> like, I was, I had some money saved up. So which helped out, but you know, eventually you keep using your savings is going to run out. And that's what I don't want to happen. Of course. And like that feeling of having your back against the wall and what's going to happen. That's, I mean, I, I just feel like the universe works in ways like that, that like, obviously you're somebody that is like putting in time and you are doing all of the work to set yourself up for success that I feel like things meet you on the other side when shit hits a fan like that. And for you to get that text from QT Marshall at that time, like, yeah. And, and I know Marcus Mack, he planted the seed to Cody. So yeah, that's where it all blossomed. Oral sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel fantasy before. Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly. When you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match, uh, why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. And I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. 
So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. Before you got to AEW, you did a stint of some tryouts at WWE? Yeah, I, I did a couple tryouts at the, the PC. Probably my best tryout was with Big Swole and Eddie Kingston. We were all together for this tryout. And just something between us, like we, we like cheered each other on and helped each other out. But obviously from that tryout, I didn't, nothing happened from it. And then I did a few uh, extra work for WWE when they came out to the Bay Area. And, you know, I did a match against Baron Corbin, which went really well, but nothing happened. Was that a televised match or that was like before the show starts? No, it was, it was right before. It was a last minute thing. Like I was walking from catering and uh, one of the agents approached me. I was like, hey, I need you to go put on your gear. And I go put on my gear and Gorilla talking to Corbin. We probably maybe had like six, seven minutes to put it together and just boom. When you were at the Performance Center doing your tryout, I was reading something about, obviously, they put you through the gauntlet of getting in the ring and all the different training and going through the gym sessions and all that. But having promos being a big part of that, getting on the mic, I mean, you it seemed like you had a pretty successful moment on the mic cutting a promo there, right? When I did my promo, I forget who yelled it out. Someone yelled out, now that's a promo. I didn't want to give a, a wrestling promo about you know, I'm going to see you next week and blah, 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 this and that. I'm coming for you. I just told a real life story. You know, I told the story about my brother and, you know, that was supposed to be my, my partner in this thing. And unfortunately things happened and he didn't make it. But from what I was told, when you give a promo, you give that real feeling and, you know, you, you pull the people in, it's all about emotion. So that's what I did. Okay. So talking about your brother, I mean, this is a story I know that you've talked about it before, and obviously it's such a it's a pivotal and important moment for you throughout your life. Um, but just talk to us a little bit about what happened uh, with the passing of your brother. How can I put this? So my brother did what he had to do to, to pay the bills. So my grandparents passed away. You know, we're in their house. Mortgage has to be paid. And so he led a life of crime and did things he shouldn't have done. And one day I was coming home, rushing to get in the house and a black car comes slowly creeping and eventually takes off down the street and starts firing. I got pushed out the way. I got hit in the forearm and he got hit six times and and passed away. I get choked up just talking about it. Like I, I get this feeling every time I talk about it. Like it's just just one of those things that you'll never get over, even though. I try and it's just, it's something I think about daily. What was that moment like for you? I mean, to, to be there and were you the only person with him when this happened? Uh, there were other people outside, but as far as like my family, yeah, it was just me and him. So, I mean, if I didn't get shoved out the way, I probably would have got hit. And- I mean, you still did get hit. I mean, luckily not fatally. What was that like to be shot in the forearm and like caught in the line of fire and like gang warfare like that? I didn't even know I got shot. I was warm all over and I was hot, but just my adrenaline was going so much because I saw my brother laying there. 
Like I didn't even know until I looked down and I started panicking. What do you, I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. I couldn't imagine being in a situation like that and having to deal with something like that. And like you said, like 10 years ago, you're still young. I mean, what are you 20 at the time Yeah. when this happened? And like, it almost seems like a movie, but it's not, you know, where I'm from East Palo Alto, it's a two square mile city eighties, uh, early nineties. It used to be the murder capital of the United States. It's changed a lot since, you know, like some big uh, internet companies have come in the area, help clean it up. But how does something like that not derail you? Um, how do you, how did you stay focused and not let that completely consume you? It's just cause I, I didn't want to be like one of my, like a lot of my friends that grew up. So a lot of my friends got into gangs and drugs and there's a handful of them that are in prison and there's a handful that are dead. I never liked to be a follower. I always like to do what I wanted to do, whether, you know, I got made fun of or if it was the complete opposite, what everyone else was doing. So I, I knew from a young age I wanted to wrestle and just watching wrestling with my sister, my grandparents, and my brother. That was the uh, thing that, you know, didn't derail me. Like I always wanted to do what I wanted to do. Was there ever a time that it seemed like maybe getting involved in some of that stuff might have been almost an easier way to go? Yeah. Fast money. Like who, who doesn't want money? It's just one of those things you're going to do what you want to do or follow everyone else. And I, and I didn't want to be like everyone else in my, in my neighborhood. I, I didn't see any point of hanging out in front of a liquor store all day. You know, I like what, what fun is that? <laughs> yeah. That gets old quick. That's only fun for about two minutes and then you're over it. So you guys watched wrestling together because he did he also kind of have aspirations of getting into wrestling? He wanted to be a valet or manager. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to be a manager. He he he, he had a tongue on him. Like he could talk slick. My grandpa always said he could, you know, sell a polar bear toenails if he wanted to. <laughs> what was your brother's name? Tyrone. Okay. So he he would talk slick quick. There's plenty of times that I've seen him like buy me ice cream from the ice cream truck and just somehow he would buy one ice cream and I would leave with like four. Well, who would you guys kind of emulate? I feel like I'm sure when you guys were kids, you guys, did you guys ever like pretend you're like a tag team or work with him as like a manager in that capacity when you're just like messing around? It's funny. He would always talk like a pimp. Like he always said his guy was slick. So he would always talk like him. Like he dressed real nice all the time, always had gold on. So he was bringing someone from, our environment, you know, that that's who we knew. So that's that realness that ultimately is the thing that ends up connecting, right? When you just kind of, you do the larger than life version of who you really are and what you really know. And that's, that's the foundation of a, an amazing character. How much pressure do you feel to succeed now that you're in the driver's seat, you're signed to AEW, you've put in all this work and looking at the past that you just spoke about and where you come from and, you know, what some of those statistics have looked like in the past, how much pressure do you feel to be successful now that you're in that spot? I feel a lot, but it's more, it's not like something for me to get nervous about. It's like, I'm more happy about it because there's times I go to East Palo Alto and, you know, cause I do have a few family members out there and I'll get recognized out there by some little kids. And, and that's the best thing. Like I've always said before, like, I want to put my city on my back. You know, I got, I got my city. I got my family. So the only thing to do is, is to succeed. Like failure isn't a, it's not an option. I feel like that's always like 
kind of the best way to go. I mean, some people crumble under that pressure and other people thrive under it. You're obviously a person that thrives in those situations. Bring it all on. Let's keep knocking down doors. Everything that I've been through, it like it can't be any worse than that. Like it, it can't. You've been through it. You've already been through it. It's only you can only go up from here. So what was that moment like when you got signed by AEW? Was it Tony that called you and offered you the contract or was it QT Marshall? How did that go down? I got offered a per appearance, like a tier zero. I wrestled Darby Allen on the uh, Saturday night dynamite that we had. And I'm stretching, you know, and Tony goes, he goes, hey, Willie, you know, I know you're going to knock it out the park tonight. He's like, go kill it. And I'm like, no, appreciate it. Thank you. I'm stretching. You know, I'm in the zone. He walks away from me. He takes a couple steps back and he goes like, oh, yeah, after night, I'm going to sign you. And, and this is before I go out. And I'm like, what? Talk about like <laughs> added a little pressure before I go no out. No kidding. Yeah, can we sign it now? Let's sign it right now. <laughs> I was like, man. So I did my match with uh, Darby and Tony had his hand in that match, like agenting that match. So, which was really cool that he put that trust in me and put me in that position. And then um, I think it's the night I met you, September 5th at uh, the pay per view. I was told that day I was going to be in it. It was a surprise and it was good from there. Then about a week later, I got offered a a contract. This was a big thing for me to have this be like my first project that I was really working on that was outside of WWE, you know, and for me to just kind of, uh, you know, reignite my passion for these other little projects and to connect with my own voice. Again, I could write whatever I wanted to write. I, w- I didn't feel like I had a filter on none of those things. So this book is like very much me come to life and then slapped into some pages. Right. Cause essentially this was the first non WWE project that you got yeah. to work on. So how cathartic was it to have the Rene Paquette voice when cooking and when, oh when God. writing this book, because there are little quips and and little like anecdotes within yeah. this book. And there's like accompanying songs and playlists. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very well thought out book. And that's, that's really what I wanted. So it's like, I'm just trying to like find like a great example in here, but we do the um, like having the semi pro tips. That was something like here at the very bottom. You can see, I've just like, I've, I, you have like these little notes along the way, like semi pro tip, a little hair of the dog, never hurt anyone. Get yourself a mimosa. If somebody needed me to tell them to pour themselves a drink, I will be your gateway. I will tell you that it's okay. Pour it. Use orange juice. Don't, I don't care. Live your life. Do what you got to do. I mean, there are actual tips in there in terms of like, you know, cooking things a certain way, how to prep things another way. Um, and then, yeah, having the, at the very back here with the QR codes. And that was something that just like really popped in my head that I was like, I don't know why like this. So you guys can just scan these from your phone. And it's going to take you to some playlists that I've been able to curate. I worked on them. I had also reached out to some friends of mine to help have them kind of chime in on like, Oh, you know, if we were having a girl's night, what would you want to hear? If we were just having like a nice intimate dinner, what would you want? If you're on date night, what do you want? So it was really all of those things kind of come together. And then also just having like the different quotes throughout the book. I've got Dolly Parton, um, got Mitch Hedberg, um, got Bill Burr. So all in Miss Piggy, like just these like fun little quotes of people that I like. And 
It, no, it's really indicative to your personality and it shines through. You like good food. You like good drink. You like good music. And all of those things should encompass an overall interactive experience when preparing a meal and when having individuals in. And yeah. what I love about you is you're an adventurous cook. You're an adventurous eater. Or I'm not so much that. No, so one of the things you eat twigs and berries. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm I I I have a plant-based diet. Yes, but I but know that like, there are you have like an extreme plant-based diet at that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'm trying okay. to like see what's happening on YouTube here as well. And we're I don't, live. Know this, I don't we're even live. know how this goes. So I am trying to like, see how this works. Oh, is this it? This is a live one here. Yeah, we're working, baby. Oh, we're we're live. The God. chats are popping. The, the whole thing is up over there. So big up to everybody. We see Yay, you. Hello. See how are you now? How fun. Oh, but, I love that. How cool. What I wanted to know was the, the adventurous side of the eating where you would take Case in point, you took pierogies and then you added shepherd's pie. So like what were like some of the things like you did that? Like I knew that you you were also working on an adventurous wonton soup of your own creation as well. So like let's talk about a little bit of playing around and becoming a scientist with the food. So I really wanted to, you know, when you're like putting a book together and it's hard to be like, oh, here's this original recipe. So I was really trying to think of like, what are some of my favorite things and what can I do to make a spin on those? So pierogies, I love a pierogi. I also love a shepherd's pie. And I was like, man, like it's mashed potato that's going inside a pierogi. Let's spice that up and do a shepherd's pie version instead. And I think that it came together really, really well. Um, I had Beth Phoenix on oral sessions. It's not aired yet, you guys, but it will be coming out uh, in the next you know, coming weeks. Uh, but her and I talked about pierogies. She's like the pierogi queen. So I would like bounce ideas off of her of how pierogies work and like how to make a great one. Um, and then there's like, um, my French onion soup grilled cheese. That was another one that was like, I love French onion soup, but I was like, do I need French onion soup? And, uh, yeah. It, but then I was like, wait, what can I do differently for that? So then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll turn that into a grilled cheese. I mean, essentially you've got like the, the croutons or the chunk of bread that goes inside the French onion soup. You've got that Gruyere cheese on top. And then those onions, so I was like, I can kind of like invert that and make that into a sandwich or like wanting to uh, other recipes kind of come from things that I couldn't get myself. So I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to make this, um, like the beef patties. Having beef patties in Canada is a big thing. They're at every corner store. You can buy them frozen at the grocery store. They're exceptional. They're so, so good. And I felt like I wasn't able to find them here. There is one really great Jamaican restaurant here called Jammy Land, and they do beef patties there. Um, So I, I could order in from there sometimes. I'm like, I need to learn how to just make my own. And that was sort of a thing while I was doing this book that really opened my mind to a lot of things like the idea of um, of making a dough and waiting for the yeast to cure all these different things always kind of seemed a little bit overwhelming to me. And now I'm like, Oh, no problem. I found myself getting even more comfortable in the kitchen, the more that I was cooking and doing stuff or like making the squid ink pasta, which like, yeah, I understand not everyone is going to want to do that. They're going to want to make their own pasta. If they want to, great, it's there. But if not, if somebody wants to like buy the store-bought squidding pasta, I honestly think you can probably buy that at most grocery stores at, at this point, maybe. Can you? I don't know. I think so. Um, but yeah, and like, you know, I do like a cast iron um, pot pie where like 
I'll tell you how to make the pie crust, but if you just want to buy a pre-made one, no judgment over here. I get it, but I couldn't very well write a book and not put every recipe for every little thing in there, which is a crazy thing to figure out too. So one thing that's in there that you can eat is my, uh, my pulled mushroom burgers. So okay. it's like done in a barbecue sauce. You'd pop it in the oven, but I, I like did my own barbecue sauce for it. So it's all these little things that you don't really think about when you start to do a recipe that you're like, oh my God, I can't just be like, hey, use sweet baby rays. You have to put in a recipe for everything. It's crazy. Well, that's the thing too. You're creating your own sauces and you really have to dig deep. Okay, so let me do this and let me find like what the chemical compound for this is. You literally are a scientist when you're doing this. And, you know, from your travels all across the world for many, many years, did you stumble upon something and maybe you made a note on your phone or in a notebook? You were like, ooh, maybe one day I would like to try this. Like, was there any unique dishes to your palate that stood out from your time traveling that are incorporated in the cookbook? Yeah. So my corn soup, that was a big one when I went to Japan. So I had never had just like a corn. So I've had like a corn chowder before or whatever. But um, the first time I had corn soup was actually on the flight to Tokyo. And John and I are sitting there and just the food that you get, I can't remember which airline we were on, Nippon maybe. And um, anyways, but the food that they had on the plane was incredible, but that was my first time having corn soup. And also in Japan, they have soup for breakfast all the time, which is like so up my alley. I love that, like a broth. The corn soup is not that it's a, it's a little more creamy, but yeah, that was one that I kind of tucked away that I'm like, I need to figure out how to make that because it's incredible. So I did kind of tinker around with that and it did make it into the book. I should find it in here. It's delicious though. Give me it, all of that. It sounds delicious. You know, I, I think good. like also too, from what I'm getting from the cookbook is also the prep time is a little extensive, but it's really not. So it, even if you're an amateur like me, you can really, if you follow along and use the text as what it is as yes. a text, it will be edible. So you, you you could eat it and you could have a dinner party or you can cook for a significant other and they won't look at you like this does not taste good. No, and that's sort of what my approach to cooking always has been. It's especially like when, like, first of all, these are all guidelines. I'm recommending or showing you how I do stuff, but if you want to add different spices or you want to swap out the meats for something else, go for it by all means. It's, you know, your recipe is your recipe, your kitchen's your kitchen, but giving some guidelines to like help people kind of figure things out. Cause like, I'm not a chef. I just love cooking and I love the challenge of having a new recipe. And like, can I pull this off? Is this going to be edible? Are people going to like this? It's just about trying stuff. It's about, it's also just like, for me, sometimes it's time just by myself even to like zone out, put on some music, chop some stuff, cook things like that is like my Zen. I love doing that. Um, but yeah, when you're able to have friends and family over and like feed people, there's nothing better than that for me. I, I absolutely love doing that. Well, there's a sense of community when you do that. You know, there's totally. a sense of togetherness. I, I mean, yeah. you know, and like providing. Um, absolutely. And specifically now, even with the pandemic, um, the, the fact that you can have your own, you go and you get your own groceries and you make your own food, yes. you know, like that, that's a, that's a whole thing too, that's where a luxury it is a luxury, but also I think a lot of individuals, including myself really never took the time to prepare their own food. 
Right. You know, and then like what happens is there's a lockdown and now you're like, okay, wait a minute. I can't just go out and Uber eats it or I can't just go and sit at a restaurant no more. I really have to make sustenance for myself. What am I making? What am I doing? And those are some of my favorite meals too, is like when you clean out the fridge and you're like, what do I have on hand that I can actually whip this into something? Cause you'd be surprised how often you're like, my fridge is empty. I don't have anything here. It's like, well, no, wait, do you have like a tomato that might be on its last legs or like an onion, a shallot, some garlic? Do you have some pasta that's tucked away in the pantry somewhere? Like you can make a little something from nothing. Throw some eggs. Let's get some eggs and toss in whatever leftover vegetables you have, whatever, and make a meal from it. I love that challenge. So was there any of that creative ingenuity? And it's like, if you could pick out one recipe right now that just had limited bare bones ingredients that you had in your refrigerator, because at one point, you know, you and John, you were on the road. There might be a tomato. There might be a shallot. You might just have some pasta and then (laughs) good luck, brother. Cook this up. (laughs) Make something from this. (laughs) Make something from this. What was one of the dishes in the book that was inspired by that? Oh man, we haven't went to the supermarket yet, but I have this. Yeah. I I would say the pasta primavera um, because that's especially like when you've got like some vegetables that are like close to being on their last legs, the pantry, you're like your little crispers full. You've got to empty out those vegetables. That would be one definitely. Cause you can use kind of whatever you have on hand, whether you have a bunch of, you know, if you've got mushrooms on hand, you've got asparagus, you've got tomatoes, you've got some peppers, whatever you might have. You don't like, I list a bunch of the different vegetables in there that I recommend but you can totally change it to your palate into what you have on hand. And it's in this really beautiful, like little, like creamy lemon sauce. It's really, really light. It's not heavy at all. And that's something that just like is, you can have it right away, nice and hot and delicious, but it also holds up in the fridge and is amazing cold. Um, another recipe that I had that didn't quite fall under that category so much, but more so going back to like the pandemic was making the lamb burger when you could not just buy regular like ground beef in the grocery store. And I'm in the middle of trying to like write this book, trying to come up with 60 to 70 recipes. And I'm like, Oh my God, wait, you can't even buy flour. Cause everyone's making a sourdough kit. Like there's <laughs> all of these things that are going on at one time. Uh, so they had ground lamb and I was like, man, I don't think ground lamb gets enough love. So I ended up making a burger from it and I turned it into this like Greek style burger with like a nice chunk of tomato, a little thin onion, and then like making your own tzatziki sauce to go on top. And it's very good. It's called the lamb jam. John came up with that name. He was quite proud of it. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, Why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb-dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. I want to go back to something that you said before, though, because I found that interesting. You said that you are not a cook. You just enjoy good food. 
But yes. now given the current culture where if you go on YouTube or you go on Instagram or even if you go on like other social media platforms, the idea of the chef has changed where, you know, you don't have to go to a culinary school to know how to make good food. And if you've noticed a lot of YouTubers, a lot of Instagrammers who are amateur chefs have really started to craft a lane for themselves. Sure. So I do find that fascinating. I mean, I think this will come back to a conversation that um, we've been able to have before on oral sessions. I believe I was having this conversation with CM Punk about imposter syndrome. And that's where I've always been like that, especially with things that I really revere. And for me, cooking is one of those. Acting is one of those. These things that I just, I love. And it's a world that I want to be a part of, but I would always have imposter syndrome because I have so much respect for what goes into actually doing those things. And I think, you know, looking back at, you know, different chefs. I mean, I love watching Food Network. I love watching the likes of like, you know, obviously an Ina Garten, everybody bow down. She's the absolute queen to somebody like a Bobby Flay, or, you know, you could rattle off a million different chefs that are on Food Network. And those are people that have like busted their ass in the culinary world. They've been in the restaurants, they've worked on the lines. And that's not even what I'm nearly aspiring to do, but I appreciate the effort that goes into that. Um, but yeah, I think that's sort of something that always pops in my mind. And it's almost like I can feel that like eye roll of like actual chefs being like, great, this pseudo celebrity thinks she's a <laughs> chef. We're like, I get it, but I'm coming into it with good intentions. And I understand my place in that world where I just, I, I love it. And I don't come into it with like any air about it at all. It's just something that I love and I respect the work that they do. And especially after having, you know, written a book and putting all that time and effort and you look back at all that, all everything that goes into just cooking a great meal to writing about it and trying to make something come to life. It's, it's no easy task. So I always really give a lot of love to, uh, to those chefs. So wrapping up, how can everybody get the book? Where can they get the book? When can they get the book? And let's talk about some of these autographed copies. Yeah. Okay. So I have been, I was signing some, um, I'm going to continue to sign as I hop off of here for you guys. Um, and I, I have, yeah, the signing has been happening. It's going to continue to happen. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, the book comes out tomorrow, May 18th. Um, it's been available on pre-order on Amazon, which I guess now starting tomorrow, less than 24 hours, you can just order that baby and not even pre-order anymore. Um, you can also uh, get the book at Barnes and Noble. If you're in Canada, it's going to be available at Indigo Books. Um, so yeah, just give it a search, check all things out. Um, you can always also check out my social media because on my link tree that my friend Emilio has put together for me, uh, you all of the links are on there for you guys to buy the book. Um, and thank you guys for joining me here and buying the, the signed copies. Those are going to be really, really cool for me to send out for you guys. And I cannot wait to see you guys cooking some of my meals. I've been getting some messages already of seeing some of the food being cooked and you guys being able to open your packages and have your books there. Um, I truly cannot thank you enough for supporting me and doing this cookbook venture. It was one of those things that I really just manifested from thin air and you guys have rallied behind me and it made it a thing to make it an actual physical. The book is here. Like I have a physical book that I wrote and made. And it, it honestly really means so much to me to be able to have 
the support from you guys to be able to join me on this adventure. And it's always a little bit scary of like, man, are people going to care about what I'm doing outside of wrestling? And for you guys to truly follow me onto these other ventures and support me in that, like really, really means a lot. So thanks for hanging out. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the best of for oral sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full length episodes. Should you choose to do so? I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, we really do have the best guests come on here and hang out. And uh, I love being able to do that here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You can go back and listen to more of the episodes. You can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page. You can just search Renee Paquette, search for the volume network, and you'll be able to find all the things. We've got the short clips. We've got the full length interviews, find them all on there. Like subscribe, share, turn on the notifications, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time on oral sessions. 